Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are doing a last-minute preview of the West Virginia-Kansas game um, lots of weird stuff has come out for Kansas, even in the bye week with Les Miles being diagnosed with COVID and not traveling with the team. We'll actually probably talk about that here in just a minute. But to help me preview this game, I have Andy from the Smoking Musket coming to join us. That's the SB Nation site that, that covers the West Virginia Mountaineers. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be uh, glad to be on and talk a little football. It's good to have a distraction from, um, you know, Whatever the marketing other. euphemism you want to use for these, the, the I'm I'm using um, these unprecedented times. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I definitely agree with that. So yeah, yeah. This this is going to be another one of those episodes. We've had a few of them where both myself and the the guests share the same name. So we'll see how confused we can get the listeners at this point. But um, obviously, West Virginia is kind of a team in, in the second year under Neil Brown um, that a lot of people don't really know what to expect. Um, I, I think you could probably say that about a lot of West Virginia fans from what I understand as well. Um, what are the what are the main things that you've noticed about this team that are either different from last season or kind of continuing to build the vision of Neil Brown as you understand it? Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is last year, anyone who watched, you know, um, anyone who watched WVU games saw that we had probably one of the worst rushing games, not just in the conference, but in the nation. And one of the worst rushing games I've ever seen a WVU team have. Like you can go back to, you know, the Rich Rod era, the Don Nealon era, even for a good portion of the the Dana Holgerson era, we were always a team that could run the ball. Um, You know, sometimes we struggled with throwing the ball, um, but we were always a team that could run the ball. And so, Last year, it was a real surprise, I think, to everyone how bad the running game was. Um, and so through the first, you know, three games, uh, four games, whatever, at, at this point, I've kind of lost track how many games we've played. But um, <laughs> it's been one of those seasons. Can't blame you. But, you know, through through our first, you know, few games, 
the running game has definitely been a lot better. Um, that was something that had to improve. And so I, I will say that I think that's definitely improved. Um, the defense has, has continued to develop. Um, and so far I've been really impressed with how the defense has played, uh, you know, all season as well. So I think you're starting to see, and um, I forget who said it, uh, but someone pointed out that, you know, at Troy, Neil Brown's teams tended to be really scrappy and would just make a game so ugly and manage to win. And in a lot of ways, we've kind of done that. The I don't know if you watched the Baylor game, but it was one of the uglier college games I've ever watched. Like, yeah, it was that just one, ugly. That one had Big 12 refs written all over it because I – I honestly, watching that game, trying to be as unbiased as possible, it seemed like Baylor got, um, well, I guess robbed of a touchdown that was very late in the game that probably would have had them win that game in regulation. Um, and so, like, it's one of those, yes, what West Virginia has been able to kind of win, win or play really well where they need to to do just enough to be able to win, um, you know, in, in the games that they've been able to win. So it's a matter, I guess, of, um, you know, really kind of seeing – how much of that's going to continue, how much of that was taking advantage of particular situations. And once they get to playing some of the, the more competitive and, and, you know, teams up at the top of the conference, you know, are they, are they going to be able to continue that? So, um, you know, I guess really coming into the season though, this being the second year of Neil Brown, you know, and kind of still, I think trying to shift that identity identity from what Dana, Dana Holgerson had for you guys before, um, what what really were the expectations for this team coming into the year? You know, I think that the, the the season finished pretty good last year. I think there were pretty low expectations last year. And, um, you know, I think we met or exceeded in some ways most of those expectations. So I think coming into this year, it was really about, you know, at least pre-COVID, about getting seven to eight wins, getting to, you know, a mid-tier bowl game, um, you know, just continuing to improve. I think now, you know, looking at where everything is and, and where the Big 12 is, I think that whatever win number is equivalent, we'll say seven wins, six, seven wins, I think would be, you know, kind of where we're looking at and kind of what we were thinking, you know, coming into this was to continue to show growth, show improvement. Um, for me, I was really looking to see, you know, what the run game was, could we reestablish the run? And then, you know, defensively, there were so many questions, um, A, with a lot of, of folks graduating, moving on, um, and then the off-season, you know, the, 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 the unfortunate incident that happened with, with, uh, uh, with, with, with Coach Vick uh, and, and what that would mean for what the, the, the team looked like, what the defense even looked like. You know, losing your defensive coordinator is never easy. And maybe having a little bit of a delayed start with COVID might have helped that um, in some ways. But, I'm, you know, you can't tell. Um, but I think those were really kind of the big things, you know, coming in were, you know, continue to improve, continue to get back to, to being, you know, competitive. And, you know, it's not that we weren't competitive under Dana Holgerson. You know, we beat everybody in the league in his time with us except for Oklahoma. So it's not like we right. were in a position where we had been a team that like had just fallen on our face. Right. So I think, it, but it was clear that the talent level, you know, that last year was not where it needed to be. 
Um, and so I think, you know, that's Neil's been working on that. And I, I think Coach Brown is, has made some improvements. I think just it's a change of culture, too. Uh, it's a whole different culture. Um, I can definitely tell you that that has changed. Like, it's a big difference in, in the way that the team focuses. Just everything around the team just is a little bit different than it was. And so seeing that, um, I think that was another key thing to see how that continued to develop and did it develop. So that's kind of been the big things. Uh, and then the quarterback situation, what would happen with that? And, and is, you know, was, uh, you know, was Doge the guy or, uh, you know, what, what are we doing with that? So I think that's, those were some of the things we were all thinking about coming into it. And then COVID happened and, you know, it's just been kind of a, a seesaw affair, but yeah. And so I think that was the big thing, at least on, from, from my perspective was how could we, you know, how much incremental improvement could we make? I don't think any of us thought we would, you know, challenge for a league title. Although you kind of look at it this year now and you go, well, things bounces your way. You know, pretty much everyone has a blemish at this point, right? Except for, you know, Iowa State and Kansas State are undefeated, but they also lost to like Sunbelt teams in the yeah. first week. So, oh, yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's a running they're... gag here that right now Coastal Carolina has the inside track on the Big 12 title. So, they, because, uh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, they're... there are three Sunbelt teams that won, and Coastal Carolina has now beat the other two teams that beat Big 12 teams. So, right now, if we were to crown a championship, today you know i think you'd have to give it to coastal carolina so <laughs> yeah so like i i think that there's a possibility do i think that's realistic probably not <laughs> probably yeah I mean, not, it's, but... it's, it's one of those things with oklahoma and texas both seemingly down this year which and way down that's, like that's a whole well, nother podcast yeah that we like <laughs> like oklahoma is a, a mess defensively which i don't understand i continue to not understand how how that happens, and then Texas is well. Texas. Yeah, I mean, they're I, I back. It comes down to to offensive line, so we'll ha we'll have to see if Murray being available now for Oklahoma kind of changes there, you know. And of course, it's it's not good for teams that haven't played Oklahoma yet, like West Virginia gets to play them towards the end of the year because we'll see how well he's able to to step in and build that, you know, build that. Uh, I mean, you know, that camaraderie. Uh, and, and build that rapport with the rest of the line so that they can be super effective by the end of the year. So, like, it's probably a little too early to count Oklahoma out completely, but West Virginia definitely seems to be one of those teams that I think is ready to surprise. Um, you know, I, I, I'm wondering, based off of what you've seen from them so far, what is it that's making this offense successful? Is it the fact that the offensive line has been, you know, fairly consistent for them, or is, is Doge really stepping up, or is there something else that's making this offense work out really well? So I think the running game has been, the, like I mentioned, I think being able to take some pressure off of, you know, off of our, off of the, the quarterbacks and take some pass, put some fear into people that they have to actually, you know, protect a little bit. Um, but the offense has been a little bit, I don't know how to describe it. The offense has been at times really, really good. It, I think it's still kind of, finding its place in life um although i will say that there is a huge difference between uh, you know doge and kindle at least you know we still have bad throws but at least they're not under throws austin kindle's under throws like every time he threw a ball deep i just kind of like your heart 
stopped beating because he was going to underthrow it and it was going to get right. intercepted. It's a lot better to overthrow everybody and the ball falls incomplete than to underthrow it and leave it for, you know, the the shorter defenders or the the, the less deep yeah. to actually have an opportunity to go ahead and pick it. And so that's kind of something that we've seen a little bit develop. Last year, we weren't able to take the top off of anyone. Like, we just could not stretch the field at all. Like, which has always been something WVU did really well under Dana Holgerson. We always had that deep ball threat. Um, sometimes to the point of feeling like whoever was calling the plays was, you know, calling the plays in, in NCAA football and was just going for, screw it, for verts. But, you know, um, I think seeing that that come along has been nice. But I think the running game has really helped. And having a, having a, a solid defense that can get people off the field. Like, that's the other big thing. And I think that's – it's kind of lost in the Big 12 world a little bit at times. But being able to get people off of the, off of the ball and being able to shorten games – helps a team like a WVU or, you know, or a Kansas or, you know, even an Iowa State. They want to shorten the game because we don't have the depth that Oklahoma or a Texas or even, frankly, Oklahoma State has. I mean, I'm not – I've watched Oklahoma State in three different games now, and I was not impressed in either of them, one of which included WVU's game against them where I thought we had – where we were in that game pretty much until the last eight minutes when they just murdered us, you know, by when Chuba Hubbard remembered who Chuba Hubbard was right. um, and they remembered that they have maybe the best running back in the country, then they just ended that game on us. But we were in that right to the end. And so I, I, I don't think Oklahoma State's, I don't think there's a number seven team in the country. Um, I think that's what they were ranked this week. And so I, I yep. think that, you know, but we were in that game the whole time and we made some mistakes which you can't make against a team as good as Oklahoma State is. And they are good, uh, don't get me wrong. So I, I think that that's been the, the key development has kind of been the running game and the defense working together to let us shorten games a little bit um, and to, you know, control tempo and momentum a little bit better. And that we're not in, we're, last year, I forget the exact number, but last year we were one of the worst teams in the country in uh, first down yardage. I forget the exact number, but we were atrocious on first down yardage because we couldn't run the ball. And so we were right. always behind the sticks. And so this year, that has been something that's really changed uh, is that we're, we're not in as many second and longs. We're in more, you know, second and manageable, second and six, second and seven, second and fives. We have a lot more, we've had a lot more of those so far. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I, I will say about that Oklahoma State game, because I think that Oklahoma State is, I, you know, from what I can tell, is in a similar position to West Virginia, where the defense is looking really, really good, but the offense is having some problems. Oklahoma State has been dealing with injuries, um, you know, especially at the quarterback position and trying to break in a brand new quarterback that wasn't expected to start. <laughs> and so, like, I can understand why their offense is potentially having some issues, but like West Virginia, the strength of their team right now seems to be that defense that allows them to stay in the games, and then hopefully at the end of the game they can go ahead and put it away. So. I, I think it's a little early to say that, you know, Oklahoma State isn't as good of a team as they think because we're so used to seeing high-flying offenses in the Big 12. And so we think, well, well, if the offense is having problems, they must not be a very good team because, you know, we've been conditioned to say that 
you know, the Big 12 doesn't have any good defenses, which we, we've seen hasn't actually been the case, you know, for anyone that's actually paying attention to the conference. Um, right. You know, it's just that's a kind of the national narrative. So I do actually want to go ahead and turn it over to the defensive side to talk about this West Virginia defense. Um, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. And we're back. All right. So West Virginia defense has been very good this year. I, honestly, I've been a little surprised by it. But uh, who, who have been the key contributors that have really helped to make this defense a lockdown defense? Well, I think that the, the Stills brothers up front are just the engine that makes everything happen um, because they're so good that we can, you know, we know that we can have a three-man rush and they're still getting to the, the, the you know, they're still getting to the backs or still getting get to into the backfield. And so that really helps everything because if there's a weakness to WV's defense, it's probably the back end. That has been the case for a couple of years now. Um, but I think, you know, the Stills brothers are just the engine that makes everything function on this defense. It's, they're the heart and soul in, in not only just talent because they're, they're, you know, leaps and bounds, the best players on the team, on the, on the defensive side and maybe on the whole team. Um <clears throat> But they're also, you know, they they just bring such emotion and they bring such competitive spirit, you know, to to the game that it just really makes a huge difference. Um, so I would say definitely the Stills brothers, but I think the the backfield as a whole, no one like no individual player in the defensive backfield like jumps out at you. None of them are like superstar talent, but they have been really good at making plays when they were needed. And it's been a different, you know, it's been someone different, you know, pretty much every game. We had a, they, the defensive backfield made a huge play against Baylor um, with the interception there towards the end uh, to, to put that game, to really help put that game into overtime and, and give us a shot. And then in the overtime made the play that won the game. So, you know, I think the defensive backfield has been really good and that's been really encouraging to see. Um, I think a lot of people are really high on uh, Jamal Adai. Uh, I'm, I am both, uh, he's a wonderful person, a great guy, but also has, has done wonders with that defensive backfield because, you know, over the years, WVU's defensive cornerbacks were undersized and usually outmatched by large, very talented Big 12 wide receivers. Um, and so I feel like we've done a pretty good job this year against, you know, We've already played one of the best wide receivers in the league, and we did an okay job against him uh, against Oklahoma State. So, but obviously, you know, the Big Twelve has a ton of great wide receivers. So, yeah, they they really do. I mean, there is definitely a lot of them that are that are really really good. You know, I'm I'm looking here, and you know, there's a couple of different things I'm looking at because what you're talking about in the, in terms of the the secondary potentially being an issue, but you know, I think when that is an issue, it usually comes across in two different things without, you know, being able to explicitly, like immediately, like zone in on these particular player and like having those, you know, pro football focus kind of stats of, of ratings of individual players. Um, you know, I, like I'm looking just in kind of general, like third, third down percent conversion percent defense, West Virginia's number 14 in the nation, you know, only allowing 29.3% of a third down conversion. So that's not, that, that's basically telling me that they're not getting beat deep a lot on third downs and allowing drives yep. to continue and cj vogel on twitter actually 
put out a stat saying missed tackles per team by Big 12 teams. West Virginia is at the lowest. I'm sorry, missed tackles per, per game. Lowest at 7.3 per game, which, yep. again, tells me that that secondary isn't missing open field tackles, which is usually, like, a big problem that you have. Um, you know, so, like, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily seeing – a weakness, you know, that is glaring to me, but it definitely seems like maybe the, you know, that could potentially be the issue. Um, what, what I'm, what I'm kind of wondering, because specifically for, for Kansas, a team that does not have a very good offensive line, at least to this point so far, you know, it, it sounds like from what you're saying that the defensive line of West Virginia is, you know, a real big handful, which is going to give them issues with actually even being able to get the ball out to their skill players. That's been, kind of the mo for kansas this year so far it's like they haven't really been able to get the ball out to anybody um like yeah is, is that what you're from from west virginia that they're able to get early pressure not just pressure from like three three down linemen rushing yeah that's the that we're able between that the the uh, matt matt likes to call them uh kirch likes to call call it a face-eating defensive line and that's what they do i mean they just are so aggressive and they're really really talented um, and the Stills brothers, I, 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 at the risk of repeating myself, they are just phenomenal. Like they are, they are NFL level talent. Um, and to have two of, you know, two NFL level talents, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a bonus. So we're really able to get after people um, and really disrupt what people want to do. Um, you know, I, I, <sighs> I think that that's really great. I think one of the reasons why we, why a lot of us were concerned about the, the, the defensive backfield for West Virginia is they're extremely young. Um, like Carrie Martin, who's really great, is just a, a junior and, uh, or a sophomore, actually. Yeah, I think Carrie Martin's a sophomore. So Carrie Martin's a sophomore. Um, Nick Troy Fortune, who's also been really, really great. Um, is uh, another one of these young freshman junior kind of guys. Uh, Jake Long has been sort of the, the glue to that backfield and the safety position, and he's a senior, but otherwise it's a lot of younger guys. And so that was a real concern. But yeah, I would say for Kansas, and, and I watched the, um, I watched Cheryl's game against um, Coastal Carolina. And I immediately thought to myself, oh, this is not going to be a good picture for them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, one of those things, like Kansas' biggest issue is their offensive line. And, like, the offense hasn't been able to get anything going, not because they don't have the, the talent, you know. And, and, like, I don't even know, like, part of the problem that the, that the Jayhawks have had is that they can't honestly evaluate any of the quarterbacks because we're back to what we had you know, during most of the Charlie Weiss era and the very beginning of the David Beatty era is that the, the offensive line is so bad that you put a guy out on the field and you can't really honestly evaluate him because he's got a guy in his face within the first, you know, second and a half. And so, like, you can't honestly evaluate quarterbacks and see, you know, who's better if they can't even get an opportunity to really show you what they're able to do. And, and with not having an offseason, like, they can't even really look too much in practice to try to get, you know, really big or really clear evaluations of these guys to begin with, just because, again, there's, there's a, there wasn't enough time for that to figure out who it should be, and now the offense can't do anything no matter who's out there. So um, yeah. I'm not really sure what Kansas is going to be doing. Miles Kendrick seems to be getting the starts this, this week just because there's really nobody else that's 100% healthy at this point. Um, and so I'm really interested to kind of see what he's able to do against a West Virginia front that seems to be able to get 
a decent amount of pressure. The one thing that I will say, from what I've seen from what West Virginia does, it looks like they try to only rush three for a long, you know, for long stretches of the game, which, you know, I mean, say what you will about being able to get some sort of pressure. If there's only three guys coming, that really means that you have three guys to worry about if you're the quarterback and make it a little bit easier to find lanes to step up into, you know, into holes into the pocket or things like that. Um, you know, so maybe there will be a little bit more success there, but I don't know how consistent it's going to be based off of what I've you know, seen of these guys so far. So, so if, if, if you were the Kansas offensive coordinator, where would you try to attack this West Virginia defense? Um, I would try and throw to a tight end. <laughs> that I, I, I'm laughing because one of the things historically we've ran some version of a three-man front since 2002. Um, so we've we've ran this sort of variation of a three-man front, whether it's a three-three-five or a three-four or a. I don't really know what we run kind of a three, three, five. Now, again, we're kind of still doing that. It's not quite a three, three, five. It looks a little bit more like a, uh, a three, five, three almost. Um, <clears throat> although the, the, the two extra safeties are more like linebackers. Um, and so we try and dis- disguise our pressure a lot. That's the other thing is we may only show three linemen, but we're often bringing pressure off of the side, either from, um, you know, either from a, a basically a full safety, whatever, whatever language they you know want to use. Teams call them a spur. I I think we call them a spur and bandit now. I forget if we've changed that language since we switched from you know Tony Gibson to Vic Koning. But uh, so I would say that the probably the best way to attack that kind of a defense that has historically been if you can get the ball in space to a tight end, you can do some damage because you end up with a weird matchup against a tight end with the 3-3-5. You can run the ball against the 3-3-5 because it is just a three-man front. Um, Given what I've seen from Kansas's defense, I would try and just do quick passes, try and get them, you know, slants, obviously. I think if you can hit us quick passes against us, you can successfully move the ball. Because uh, I think we've been pretty good about keeping things in front of us, um, but yeah, I would I would try and hit a tight end <laughs> down the seam, yeah, down the middle, yeah. because that has been that has been almost bulletproof against us. For <laughs> that's, that's the one quote unquote skill position that we don't really have a lot of super good talent at. So I'm wondering if they'll try to supplement that by you know leaking a, a a running back right up into that area, like right after the snap or something, and try to throw over the top. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure what the best, you know, plan of attack would be there. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always interested to kind of see what the people that cover these teams think the, the weaknesses are to see if Kansas might actually go that direction. Uh, because honestly, whatever I thought might work has obviously not worked at all for them this year. And the Kansas coaches don't seem to have been able to get anything really to work at all either. So who knows? Um, all right. So so just a couple more questions for you. The first one being, you know, this game obviously – West Virginia, I think the last I saw, they were a 23-point favorite in this game. Um, you know, if if Kansas is going to try to keep this close, like within the line, um, or even, you know, heaven forbid, try to actually pull an upset in this game, w- what are the keys to this game? So w- what does West Virginia have to focus on stopping in order to make sure that they can put this game away like they're supposed to? 
themselves. Um, and I, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Kansas, but I think we're all pretty much in agreement that, that the talent disparity exists. So I, I think say, West, I, I don't think you can be disrespectful enough to Kansas at this point to to match the reality. So, <laughs> so I think for West Virginia, it's about cleaning up some of the mistakes. We've had some just bonkers, dumb penalties, and a few, you know, had some interceptions, turnovers that were just like not helpful. So I think for West Virginia, it's about cleaning up our mistakes and not getting in our own way. I think we've done a lot of that this season. Um, despite being, you know, two and one, I feel like we've gotten in our own way more than we should have. Um, and so, you know, in, in just in those terms, I think, uh, you know, trying to stay out of our own way and, and run the ball, I think we want to, as much as possible, you know, get this game over with. I think Kansas will, will want the same thing regardless too. So I actually anticipate a lot of running. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's the big thing for West Virginia is, uh, you know, don't don't make mistakes. Try and you know not make a lot of mistakes. Don't give Kansas any hope. I think that's probably the worst thing that we could do is you know if we can come out in the first quarter and put this thing away. You know, I think we can, and then just go on cruise control. Now, obviously, Kansas has shown you know they got back into that Coastal Carolina game. I mean, it would have been pretty easy to just, you know, completely quit. Um, and how does that, you know, I'm, I think the big question is what's Kansas going to look like without less miles on the sideline? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly one of the biggest things that I'm curious about because, you know, obviously the news has come out. For those of you guys that are listening to this, you've probably already seen, Les Miles did not travel with the team to West Virginia, even though he is technically cleared medically. You know, they made the smart decision, and we yeah, we over on Rock Chalk Talk were, were afraid he wasn't going to do it, but are definitely applauding the decision for him to, to go ahead and actually stay in Lawrence. Um, because there, there's just too much that we still don't know for sure. And even though he's technically medically cleared, there's still a, a decent chance he could have potentially – you know, spread the virus through the team if he decided to to go and had a contact with a whole bunch of people in the hotel or on the flight or anything like that. So I was definitely very happy to hear that he decided to stay home. It'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. Um, you know, it, in some ways it may, you know, it may prevent him from trying to meddle with the offense a little too much, um, you know, as he's been known to do at times. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not really sure we're going to learn anything from that with him not there. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is going to look like without him there, what, what the team is going to be able to do. Um, you know, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely interested in that. Kansas is going to, have to, going to have to try to get skill position players going, whether that's, you know, short screen passes on the outside or, you know, figuring out what they can do to really kind of get some guys in space and give them an option. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Brent Deerman really dials up for that but you know at this point I don't want to make any predictions because I have absolutely no idea I'm just kind of somewhat interested to see hopefully I'll be interested in the game still after the first quarter it won't already be you know like a 14 point West Virginia lead at that point um so hopefully I'm not going to be completely you know in despair especially since my Chiefs don't play on Sunday to cheer me up right after that I have to wait till Monday to watch them play so all right, so final, final question for you. Now that we've kind of talked about the ins and outs of the game, 
how do you ultimately see this game going? Um, you know, how, what, what do you think the final score ends up being um, or even just the final margin if, if you'd like? And, and I mean, are there any West Virginia players that you're thinking might, might have a breakout game in this, in this game? Well, I think it's always a good opportunity, you know, having actually lost to Kansas, um, having been one of the few Big 12 teams to actually lose to Kansas since we've joined the league. I'm always leery of Kansas. Um, game that we shall Can't not speak why. of. <laughs> a game we shall not speak of ever again. Um, losing to Charlie Weiss. Just anyway. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm. We're coming off of a bye week. The last time we came off of a bye week, we were not sharp at all. You know, to begin with, against Oklahoma State, we looked like we hadn't played football in about a week, in two weeks. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if we come out of the, out of the gate strong. And so I'm hoping that we do, um, you know, I'd like to see our running game get going and both of our, you know, main running threats. Uh, you know, I love Letty Brown and, and, and he's, he's super fun to watch. So I'd like to see Letty Brown have a good game, but I think it's more probably important for, um, uh, uh, uh for, for Doge to have a, have a solid game to get two, 300 yards and a couple touchdowns and have this game put away in the third quarter and let him, you know, kind of go out. Um, so that's what I would be hoping for. You never know. Um, I would think probably 38 to 10 or something uh, would seems reasonable to me. I mean, I think uh, I'm, uh, like I said, I, I, you don't know what can, what, what, how Kansas is going to respond to, to this and and like I said WVU has been off for a week had a had a bye week and so do we come out with a little rust and but we'll see so yeah my, I mean my, I think my, if I were a betting man I would take the over um and I would probably also take you know straight West Virginia on points oh you know I would think that we would get that on points so I would imagine that if we we can win by you know, three, four touchdowns, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of funny because I think, I mean, like, I think your, your margin sounds about right, but I also think, like, I, I think my official prediction was like 35 to 13 because I do think you're going to get to the end of the game and Kansas is probably going to score, you know, a garbage time touchdown uh, to to at least kind of shrink the lead there. Um, you know, and I mean, it's one of, it's also kind of one of those, that also puts it like right there at whatever the line is. Uh, you know, someplace you can get, I think you can get it as low as 21 and a half. Um, so it's, it's like right there on the line to give you an opportunity to cover that either way. I do think the the under is probably the better play here because like, you know, like we've talked about West Virginia is a, um, a, a much more defensive team than, than uh, most of the other teams that Kansas have played. Their offense hasn't been able to get going quite as well. And I mean, I, I think Kansas coming off the buys and have an opportunity to try to, maybe keep West Virginia from getting going super early, but they will then be able to kind of put it away in the second half. I just, I think it's asking a lot. If you're not expecting Kansas to score, you know, more than 10 points, ask, it's asking a lot for West Virginia to carry the rest of that water there for the over. Um, but I mean, I do think this is going to be a fairly comfortable win for West Virginia. Hopefully, you know, Kansas gets some more good uh, playing time for some of the younger guys so that we can try to build something, even if the, you know, the wins aren't coming so um and, and really I just want them to try to keep it respectable you know like like ideally what I would hope for is that you know it's a it's a decent game they're down by like two touchdowns or something for most of the game and then 
West Virginia scored you know, two touchdowns, Kansas one at the end to really kind of make it so that there's no doubt late in the game there after the backups are already in. So we'll have to kind of see how that works out. But, you know, I'm also probably being super, um, I guess, optimistic isn't really the right word for it. The non-pessimistic thinking that Kansas has an opportunity to even keep this close for the full for, for the first half. Well, so, we know um, that Kansas has struggled in Morgantown in, in at least one other sport. So. Well, well, not not necessarily. I like because Morgantown is where they had the first of their big gigantic comebacks against West Virginia. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll just kind of leave that there. That'll be our final thought for the day. So, Andy, where where can the people find your work online? Um, I, I write on Smoking Musket. I usually do our power rankings, um, and I do a lot more work for basketball. I write a lot more frequently for basketball. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Well, then, you know what? Um, last question, then, what we'll do, because we have just an, another minute or two left here. Um, you know, Big 12 basketball is getting ready to start. Um, what are your just really quick high-level thoughts about West Virginia's chances in the Big 12 this year? It's going to be a loaded conference, but this West Virginia team is returning a lot of really great players. Um, how How – how likely do you think it is that they compete and stay up towards the top of the conference for, for the for the whole season? I I would think that if we are not in in at least a position to challenge for the Big 12 title, something has gone drastically wrong. There's just too yeah. much talent on this team coming back from last year. Uh, in a year that I felt like we would have had a a pretty good chance to get deep into the conference tournament and also deep into the, the NCAA tournament. Um, there's even more talent back this year um, with some new pieces being added. So, you know, my expectations are pretty high and I'm not one who has usually high expectations. Just I've been around long enough to know better, but I have yeah. pretty high expectations for this team. So I would think that if we're not, you know, in the top three of the big 12, at the end of the season, something has gone south. But yeah, that I mean, said, the Big 12 is a super though, competitive conference. So. Like, it's one of those, though, I could I could see West Virginia potentially finishing fifth, but being just a game back from, like, a three-way tie for the for number one. So, like, like yeah, I mean, that's I, true. I mean, the Big 12 is... I, I could see the winner of the conference the is kind of lost this year, just with how, how good, and, you know, how many good teams there are. I mean, Baylor, Baylor should be the favorite to win because of everyone that they have coming back. But Texas has a lot of guys. I never, returning. Bet, against, I never bet, against, bet against you guys. Death and taxes. Right, right. Death, Kansas, taxes, and Kansas basketball. Obviously, <laughs> they lost a lot of talent, but they've got Bill Self, who always seems to get the most out of his guys, a lot more than you never, necessarily think that he would be able to. And, you know, I mean, even even Texas Tech, uh, you know, has a decent shot at, at having a really good team this year. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if the top, you know, the entire top half of the conference is all within a game of each other at the end of the year, um, you know, and we get one of those massively shared titles so all right well andy thank you so much for joining me thank you so yep. much you guys for listening if you haven't already please do go, go out wherever you get your podcast whether it's apple podcast spotify stitcher any of the other million apps that are out there just search for rock chalk podcast you can subscribe to us there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out um, if you can give us a rating and a review five stars nice comments would absolutely love it if not let us know what it is we can be doing better we really bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible so if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can email me at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or you can contact me on Twitter. Right now, best way to do that is to con is to uh, DM my my personal account. That's Andy Mitch 12 um, Right now, Twitter is having a fight with the with the podcast account, but um, yeah. But 
that will do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for being Andy again. Thank you for joining me, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.